in the night Your heart fills with dread Probably a murderer who wants you dead It could be a ghost, a demon or worse Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse It's hopeless, you're doomed You'd call a priest if you could You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood I'm gonna kill you Welcome to another edition of Freaky Friday Where we tell your odd but true stories It is Friday, February 17th Tommy's birthday. Happy birthday to Tommy. Everybody take a moment and celebrate one of the all-time greats, greatest <laughs> human beings, greatest husband, greatest dad, greatest producer. He sets the bar. Friend. Greatest friend. He is. He's one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. And He's you're great. One of his. Yeah. Well, happy birthday, babe. I love you very much. And you're going to love what the kids and I got you. <laughs> I like whenever I'm over and you're like, I love you, babe. And I'm like, I love you too, just so you know. <laughs> I just want to tag on. I also love you. Uh, when Ella was probably like two and a half, three, she called Tommy babe as much as she did daddy. Because that's <laughs> all we call each other. So she just hears me. I would, you just hear in the other room be like, babe, babe. <laughs> Now he's going to think I'm calling him in here. I'm not calling you. I'm just imitating Ella. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah. So all that to say, show Tommy some love today. Go eat some Taco Bell. Play a video game. Live your best life. Hell the bell in Tommy's honor, certainly. <laughs> uh, well, we had a freaky, uh, we were, I was just over at your house last night, mm-hmm. and you and I had a freaky Friday incident <laughs> that I want to share on the, <laughs> on the pod, if I may, because we're sitting on the stoop, as we're wont to do. We frequently hang out on your stoop. The new house doesn't have a stoop. I don't know what we're going to do when we you got a, We got a, I got it figured out. I've, I've thought long and hard about this. <laughs> it's like the a very important part of the mm-hmm. new house. But you looked down the street and spotted what... Our uh, house, a neighbor, I guess everyone in your general vicinity is a neighbor. I don't know who they are. But the way the, their tree was positioned in front of the porch with the porch light, it looked like the tree was on fire. It was a bit of wind last night. So the red of the, it was a you know orangey reddish glow of the porch light. The shaking of the tree, it looked like a burning bush. It did. And I said, God, that looks like a burning bush. Whoa. Have I said Jesus's name three times today? <laughs> Which then prompted you and I to riff about the similarities between Jesus and Beetlejuice and what that would look like. <laughs> like a film. Yeah. we. Oh, we have the entire film. And then Heather named it. <laughs> I was trying to think of what's rhymed with juice. And I was like, Beetle Jesus? Beetle, Beetle Jesus. So... <laughs> That's the name of the film. It's Beetlejesus, Beetlejuice, Jesus. But um, then when Heather got home later, she immediately sent what is probably her best Photoshop work of a mashup of the Beetlejuice movie poster, but edited to be Jesus-like. And it's pretty incredible. We're going to post it on our social, uh, I guess on Friday, along with this, so everyone can see... Just how beautiful it is. And also, if anyone is trying to produce a new Beetlejuice, we're we're looking to sell the rights to our story. And uh, also, we would like to be producers. Oh, absolutely. We have to get producer credit. Well, the best part was then when later we came in and Tommy and Paris were hanging out on the couch playing FIFA. And I said, we have to tell you about a new film. I think Paris is going to direct. Tommy would be great as the lead role. And I, we set it out and we're like, listen, they tell you not to say the Lord's name in vain, <laughs> but say it once, say it twice, say it three times, and he will appear before you and he'll forgive you of your sins. He'll clench your soul. And then what did you, uh, did somebody say holy ghost? Was that another way to say I did add that tagline to the we got a We got a lot of them. And we're keeping it showtime, though, because oh, yeah. Jesus and Beetlejuice, and especially Beetle Jesus, says <laughs> it's showtime. He definitely show does. Up. He says that when he baptizes someone. Uh, the, 
also a terrible part, which he'll find out when he listens. But when we got home, Paris was like, it's late. I'm going to go to bed. And I said, I have to do some work. So I'll be up late. And that was the work I was doing. Uh, It was work. We're talking about it on the show. I guess that's true. Yeah. Well, I cherish our stoop talk times because that's mm-hmm. where we come up with things like Beetle Jesus and also uh, talk about uh, the UFOs that we see, the conspiracies <laughs> that we see. And we love stoop talk so much we want to make it into a segment on the new tour. Mm-hmm. So we'll have some conspiracies ready, preloaded to talk about. And then uh, uh, we'll maybe we'll mix it up here and there. But that's talking conspiracies and news and all kinds of stuff on the porch is one of our most treasured times together. It's a so lot of fun. We like to share we're going to bring it to you um, in a condensed form on the tour, which all yes. tickets are on sale now for our 2023 Full Moon Energy Tour. We're starting off in just a couple weeks in Tacoma and Portland. Tickets are going fast. VIP is almost sold out. So go to sinisterhood.com slash live shows to get tickets to that and a bunch of other shows. We're going to be announcing new cities, I would say, within the week. Yes, we got some confirm- some additional I would say confirmations, but some uh, preliminary penciled in. So once those are finalized, we'll announce them right away. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you go to sinisterhood.com slash live shows, you can get tickets. And like Christy said, our VIP... We used to do a meet and greet, kind of wait in line, come up and talk to us. Now we're going to do a 45-minute Q&A where we can just kind of sit around and talk to you about whatever you want to talk about after the show. Catch up after the show, questions on the show, personal questions, questions about life, questions about if we needed together, collectively plot Beetle Jesus in all of its sequels. (laughs) There will be at least three, four sequels uh, coming. I mean, there's got to be three. At least. Because he's... (laughs) Come. He's born, he dies, and he rises again. He rises again. again. Yeah. Sets They're going to be released up. on Easter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we have it all mapped out, but we would also love to workshop it with you all. And with the VIP comes a signed poster, a signed tour oh, yeah. poster. We'll have unsigned posters as well as tour t-shirts available at the venues for sale. But with the VIP, you get that included and we will sign it for you. It will be so much fun. So we'll see you in Tacoma, Portland, and all the cities at SinisterHood.com slash live shows. It'll be a freaky time. And I think today will be a pretty freaky time because you've curated a list of several freaky stories for us to share. We got our freaky stories from all of you listeners. So thank you so much to everyone that sent them in. There are some some ones that are you know, sometimes we get ones that are like, okay, we've heard stories similar to this, but they're always, you know, different and unique. And But some of these are first-timers. Oh, First-time good. situations. Oh, we'd love a... Uh, I like well-trotted ground because it's comfortable and we've all been there, but it's always good to light up the old brain cells with something new. Mm-hmm. Well, this first one is going to do just that. So I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get freaky. This is from Rena. And it is called A Christmas Eve That I Won't Forget. Hi, Christy and Heather. Just wanted to start off by saying I love your podcast and listening to it has kept me entertained and saved me from overwhelming boredom as I've been dealing with a severe concussion and have been unable to do pretty much anything else. Anyway, here's the story. The scene is Christmas Eve 2017. I was on a language immersion program in East Africa and had traveled with two friends to the coast during our holiday break. We were in a beautiful city full of soft white sand, palm trees gently waving in the breeze, and as much fresh tropical fruit as we could possibly want. Coming from a cold mountainous city inland, we could not have been happier. On the way to our Airbnb, we brightly chatted with our rickshaw driver about how we were new to the city and we were thrilled to be able to explore a new part of the country. We hopped out of the rickshaw in front of our Airbnb, full of optimism for the days ahead. The first sign that this might not be the trip that we were anticipating was the state of our Airbnb. While online it was depicted as a bright, luxurious apartment on the beach with a modern interior design, in person it was eerily empty and smelled like something sour and rotten. A dingy couch sat alone in a vast living room. All of the dishes in the kitchen were foggy and sticky and none of the beds had any sheets. Despite this setback, we were determined to make the most of our trip, and the next day we left the Airbnb to find a rickshaw driver to bring us to a restaurant in the heart of the city. 
After wandering around the neighborhood a bit, we were delighted to find the very same rickshaw driver who had dropped us off the day before. We looked right past that red flag and greeted him enthusiastically, marveling at the lucky coincidence that it was him again. Once again, we piled into the rickshaw and let him know where we were going. Things began to go south when we got onto the major road within the city, and the driver abruptly told us that we'd need to get out. Confused because he'd already agreed to take us to the restaurant, I asked why. He responded that rickshaws weren't allowed on this major road. When I pointed out that there were many other rickshaws already on the road, he said that they were breaking the rules and he wasn't comfortable doing that. Feeling like the story wasn't adding up, but not feeling like arguing with him, we agreed to get out of the rickshaw and walk the rest of the way. Within seconds of getting out and beginning to walk down the sandy sidewalk, we heard a motorcycle coming up behind us. Now, motorcycles on the sidewalk weren't unusual in this country, but they always made me nervous, and my friend began to pull me towards her to be further away from it. As she did, the motorcycle passed within inches of me, and the rider reached out and ripped my purse from my body. Luckily, my purse snapped right off, so I didn't get dragged behind him. Also, luckily, I had just taken my passport, credit cards, and most of my money out of the purse before leaving the Airbnb. Unluckily, the Airbnb keys were in the purse, and it was looking a lot like the thief and our rickshaw driver might have been in cahoots, and the rickshaw driver knew where we lived. Figuring there was nothing we could really do about it, we continued on to the restaurant and had a fantastic meal. Afterwards, one of my friends went off to meet up with other people she knew, and my other friend and I decided to get into another rickshaw and head back to the Airbnb. As we're riding along, consciously not mentioning to the driver that we were new to the city this time, I glanced out the window and my heart dropped as I realized that I was eye-level with a leg clad in fatigues and adorned by a machete and a machine gun. At that point, I was used to seeing police officers with huge weapons, but it still sent a jolt through me every time. Almost instantaneously, and in what felt like slow motion, the man in fatigues stopped our rickshaw. I could now see that there were actually two men approaching us, both in the same fatigues and carrying the same weapons. As they got closer, I heard one of them say, Oh, I like that one. Every woman knows that that is not something you want to hear from a strange man, especially one carrying massive weapons. My heart sank further. I decided to greet them in the local language. I wasn't sure if it would have been better to pretend I didn't understand them and hear what else they had to say about us and whatever plans they may have for us, but I just didn't think I could emotionally handle hearing anything like that and not reacting. They greeted us in response, then quickly followed up by asking what religion we practiced. Not your average small talk, to say the least. Now, I had gone to church growing up, but I identify as an agnostic these days. My friend was Jewish. Deciding that Christianity was probably the safest answer, I responded that we were Christian. He immediately fired back, asking why we weren't in church on Christmas Eve if we were Christian. I said we were planning to go tomorrow, and, desperate to get the focus off of us, asked why he wasn't in church if he was Christian too. He said that he couldn't be at church since he was working, duh. I decided to take advantage of that moment to talk about how being a police officer, soldier, militiaman, whatever he was, was such a meaningful job because it was all about protecting people. I gushed, oh, it's so great to have officers keeping everyone safe. It's so important to protect people. The men shrugged this off and asked if we were married. For whatever reason, instead of spouting my usual yes when I got this question, I chose that moment to respond that I was waiting to finish my studies before marrying. Questionable choice, but oh well. The men then told us that the rickshaw was not in safe condition to ride, and that we needed to get out and go with them. I responded that I felt perfectly safe, and we were close to where we were staying anyway, so it was fine. He insisted that we could not remain in the rickshaw. I responded that if we couldn't stay in the rickshaw, we could walk from there. He didn't go for it. I had no idea what their intentions were for us, but I had the strong feeling that if we went with them, we might never be seen again. So I was going to say whatever I needed to say to not go with them. Throughout our exchange, I could feel something hard and metallic bumping into my leg. I couldn't bring myself to look down at it, 
but could only imagine that it was the butt of his machine gun. After a few minutes, it became clear that the back and forth was going nowhere, so I decided to distract them and burst out, Oh, you're officers. Maybe you can help me. I was robbed today, and launched into the tale of my robbery. When I finished, the man looked at me blankly and said, What do you expect me to do about that? So much for the noble job of protecting people. I responded, Nothing, I guess. He then mentioned that it was really hot outside, and maybe we could talk more over a drink somewhere. I said I wasn't feeling up to it today with the robbery and all, but maybe we could do something tomorrow. He asked for my phone number, and I reminded him that my phone had been stolen earlier. He then asked for my friend's number, and she pretended not to fully understand, instead answering, Oh, good idea. I'll write your number down. Looking a little bemused, he gave her his number and finally allowed us to go on our way, with the promise that we'd call him tomorrow. Obviously, we didn't, and promptly decided that we needed to move to a different neighborhood altogether for the rest of our trip. We spent Christmas lounging at a beautiful beach, eating fresh seafood, and I feel incredibly lucky that we were able to avoid harm both from the robbery and those militiamen. It was a scary and stressful day, but I'm proud of myself for being able to stay calm and ramble my way out of whatever those men's intentions were for us. Stay safe out there. Wow. I I was thought it couldn't get wilder when the rickshaw driver and the motorcyclist were in cahoots and then a machete shows up. <laughs> and a machine gun. A and machine two gun. Um, people with them, whatever role they have in the government or whatever they're doing over there telling you to come with them and you're not yeah. local. Terrifying. Yeah. Anytime you're unsure if you have, if there's a language barrier, you're not sure about human rights laws or you're not sure about in laws in general, it is nerve wracking when you encounter that. And you, you know, you come around a corner thinking, Oh, it's a vacation. You know, we got an Airbnb. The pictures looked nice. What a, gut punch initially when you go in and it's dingy it's sticky there's no sheets and you think well it'll get better and it just gets worse and then worse again and yet worse again i'm glad y'all decided to go to a different neighborhood definitely the move kudos to you for the optimism of seeing that airbnb and still being like this is gonna be great because i would have walked in and been like nope shut it down (laughs) we're leaving right now But I also um, can be a bit of a diva when it comes to the areas or the the, the places where I where I like to stay. Yes, accommodations. No, for sure. And sometimes the pictures look fine, and yeah, you get there in public or you get there in person, and it's a complete fabrication. Oh yeah. Also, good thinking on let me get your number and saying, oh, let me write yours down yeah. to just try to avoid any further contact connection at all. Yeah, I. Um have an irrational fear of being absconded in a foreign country and thrown into a jail and never seen from again, which is rational because rarely do I ever travel internationally. <laughs> Certainly not to a place where that even might be a, a reality, but like on the table, I saw that Claire Danes movie and <laughs> it scarred me for life. <laughs> You're like, I can't end up like Claire Danes. I can't live that life. I'm not strong. Like Claire Danes is. I can't withstand it. Uh, well, I'm glad y'all were Claire Danes strong and made it out. What was that movie called? Broke down palace. I think so. Yeah. Also the movie I was telling you about the other night, wild as fuck. If y'all haven't seen infinity pool, I don't know if I liked it, but it was interesting, and some of it kind of plays into this. If you have a chance to watch Infinity Pool, I guess that's fine. What I would recommend instead (laughs) was to sit on the stoop and just have Christy tell you point by point the plot, and then three-fourths of the way through, go back and go, I forgot to tell you about this fucked up thing that happened in the woods. (laughs) Anyway, that also happened. Okay, back to the story now. It's way better than streaming it on a major service provider. Just hearing you go... It was crazy because this happened and then this happened. And I'm like, it happened. What? And you're like, it was nasty. And then Uh, plot points out of order, things getting thrown in later. I'm sure it was very easy to follow. (laughs) It was, uh, I will say your descriptions are so good. And I can, I know what Alexander Skarsgård looks like. So it was a little movie in my mind, Mm, but you're right. It does sort of play into that. Anytime you're in a place and they accuse you of a crime, whether or not you did it uh, and the consequences aren't, 
uh, not that the United States has the shining example of the mm-hmm. justice system, but there are, uh, we're doing we got some guardrails in place that not everybody has. So well, the language like, barrier is also uh, adds a whole new element to things. Yeah, for sure. I, I really feel like we live in the almost in the Star Trek age where you can now say. I won't say her name because if I invoke my robot assistant, she'll turn on. I've learned recently, (laughs) but you know, you can use your phone and have somebody speak into your phone Mm -hmm. and it can translate back and forth. So that's at least helpful. But if you've just had your phone snatched and by a person down some scary looking dudes with machetes and machine guns, not, not quite the same as ordering like a donut and a coffee at a shop. and just trying to say, um, do you have change for a 20? Oh, let me check my app versus please don't hold that machine gun on me. Well, you made it out. Okay. We're proud of you, but you sound Rena Claire Dane strong. So yeah. And sounds like you had a beautiful Christmas in the end, fresh seafood on a beautiful beach. You can't ask for more than that. Mm -mm. Sinisterhood. We'll be right back. Well, this next one is from Heather's daughter, Anonymous. And <laughs> hey, sweetie, thanks for writing it. <laughs> She's really been prolific lately. She's had She's a lot a of writer. stories. To write. She's lived a lot of lives too. That's true. Uh, and the subject line is the mine shaft. Hi, ladies. I love your podcast and thought I'd share a true crime encounter I had as a child. When I was eleven years old, we moved from the big city to the outskirts of town in a rural area. We loved being out in the open and spending time exploring the desert. Me and my little sister were homeschooled, so we had plenty of time to look for adventures. One day, my mom packed up a lunch, and we decided to go exploring at a mountain near us that had mine shafts. Now, we knew the dangers of mines, so we definitely didn't plan on going in them. The areas around them always had really cool rocks and minerals that we enjoyed collecting. Yes, I was a nerdy kid. We had to be extra careful because this area also had a lot of vertical mine shafts. This was back in the 80s, so I don't think anyone took too much care to fence around them or board them up. When we were out that day, we saw a car driving down the road where we were. We thought it was a little odd since we almost never saw anyone around there. A guy got out of his car and with a flashlight was walking around looking down the mine shafts. Kind of weird, we thought. He could be a geologist, a local worker. We tried just going about our business, but he was giving us weird vibes. My mom grabbed her twenty-two out of her fanny pack, just in case, but he pretty much left us alone and continued looking in these mines. Now, my dad was a homicide detective, and it pretty much taught us not to trust anyone, so we were pretty suspicious of this whole thing. Finally, my mom had enough and felt like we needed to leave. He drove slowly by us as we packed our things and got into the car. He looked like a normal guy, but still made me feel uneasy for some reason. When my dad got home from work that day, we were excited to tell him all about the creepy guy we saw and how we wondered whether he was a kidnapper or a serial killer. Once the excitement of the day wore off, we didn't really think about him again. Until a few weeks later. My dad came home from work and said they had arrested a guy for murdering his wife. A typical story for my dad to come home and tell, but get this, her body was found in a mine shaft, right where we had been hiking that day. Sure enough, it turns out the guy we saw looking in the mines that day had been scoping out places to dump his wife's body after he killed her. My dad was so glad we had gotten out of there when we did. No telling what this man was capable of. One thing I learned from this experience is to listen to my dad's advice. He always told us to trust our gut. If something feels off about a person or situation, get out as fast as you can, even if there isn't a logical explanation as to why. Trust your instincts. They're always right. I'm grateful he left us alone that day, but often think of his poor wife and the fate she met at the bottom of a mine shaft. That's terrible. The premeditation Mm. that he was there scoping it out and to see a woman there with kids and not have any sense of empathy and think, oh, that's just like my wife. But just, you know, eyeballing people, whether to say get out of the way or I'll make you get out of my way. I'm on a mission. Yeah, it's very eerie to think of the mindset or put yourself in the mindset of someone that you're out there picking up minerals, which, by the way, is awesome. My brother's loved rocks uh he had a rock tumbling machine cluck rocks tumble them up 
I got oh, yeah. about a million crystals in this house, so there's not, nothing wrong with collecting rocks and, and stuff. I got to get a rock tumbler for my niece. She loves rocks. Oh, Zach loved his rock tumbler. Oh, my okay, gosh. Well, thank you. Tumbling Good idea. rocks all the time. But they're out, you know, having a nice day with their mom, a picnic, exploring. He's out trying to find a place to dump his wife's body. Yeah, that's horrifying. Just two two lives living parallel like that. Mm-hmm. Well, your dad was right to tell you all to trust your gut. And your mom having a 22 and a fanny pack. That's how I know this is my daughter. That's me with a 22 and a fanny pack. But honestly, it's, you know, better safe than sorry if you know how to use it and you're trained, I suppose. I mean, had she needed it, it this sounds like the exact scenario you might. Also, yeah. the 80s were a wild time. You could just go to mine shafts, carry 22s in your fanny pack. That hasn't changed, at least not no. in Texas. But mine shafts hopefully have been boarded up a bit more. Yeah, I would hope you would put some sort of a board over it. But yeah, true, back then it was just, it, as industry moved out of certain areas, I think it wasn't really at the top of anybody's list to do any sort of industrial cleanup mm-hmm. and just go, well, the mine's closed, fuck it. And then people would go and explore and you end up seeing a movie like The Kids Aren't All Right with our friend Zach Guilford, who we love, fantastic mm-hmm. actor, fantastic film, was recommended by Stephen King. And... That same vibe of like, why is there a big fucking hole here that kids can just walk up to? Or, speaking of the 80s, baby Jessica. Oh, yeah. That was a well, but same same type of thing. She was okay. Wild story. I I, I told that on there that my mom explained that to my five-year-old niece. We watched that, uh, the news coverage at school, I believe. They wheeled in a TV, much like the Challenger. Yeah. Got to watch a lot of... um, unknowingly watch a lot of fucked up shit on a wheeled in tv in the 80s in school so much so much of our trauma was delivered to us through a giant tube tv on a metal cart that was presented like this is gonna be great kiddos and then you know what tragedy struck every time we learned something oh yeah we did 100 (laughs) percent. well thank you very much my darling anonymous (laughs) well this next one is from gabriel And it is called A Teenage Stalking. Good day. In the fall of my 15th year, long before my transition, I'm transgender, I was a high school girl. I had a friend sleeping over on the weekend. We were watching movies late at night in my basement. The backyard to my house was wooded and we didn't have curtains or blinds on the back windows. The phone rang. This is the late 90s, so it was the house landline. And as I said, it was late. So I rushed to answer, worried it was one of our friends and not wanting to wake my parents. I said, hello? The voice on the other end was probably masculine, but pushed to a late Michael Jackson tone, Mickey Mousius, and said, is Kelly home? Kelly is my sister's name, who notably had a bedroom in the basement. She wasn't, so I said, no, may I ask who's calling? I can give her a message. He said, that's okay. What are you girls up to? The hair on the back of my neck prickled. I had not mentioned my friend, and she hadn't made a sound. I asked, excuse me? He replied, just hanging in the basement, watching some telly? I freaked and hung up. I looked to the back windows, but it was night and the yard wooded. I couldn't see a thing. I looked at my friend and dragged her upstairs, waking my parents. As I was explaining what happened, the phone rang again. This time my dad answered. He only heard heavy breathing, then a click. He told everyone to stay together and search the house, and probably a light search of the yard, because my dad is a huge scaredy cat. He told us he didn't see anything and we should all just turn off the lights and go to bed. We tried doing that, but the phone rang four more times that night. My dad answered every time and the person hung up. He tried star 69, but the number was blocked. This guy called up until very cold weather. We lived in Minnesota. Anytime my bedroom light was on later than other house members. And then it stopped. Hoping it was over, I relaxed a little. With the spring thaw came an onslaught of calls. Always when my light was on later than the rest of the house. We tried contacting the police, but they had nothing to go on. No number, no sighting just creepy calls. My room was adjacent to the roof. I knew from personal exploits that a person could access the roof by my window with a little agility and no ladder. 
I would have nightmares that a man was sitting on the roof outside my window masturbating. In the dreams, I would get up, raise the blinds, and see him sitting there, smiling at me. By the spring, I could drive, and having cars for all of us often meant I got home and had to park in the driveway. With the woods around me, I'd steal myself and make a run for it to get inside, only to immediately hear the phone ring. It was terrifying. This went on through the summer. Eventually, a friend of mine, a fellow redhead in the neighborhood, woke up to see a man masturbating in the window well to her bedroom. She had a room in the basement. He was caught and put in jail, and the call stopped after that. Thankfully, no one I know of was physically hurt. However, I will never forget this terrifying experience. As a side note, I'm the guy that wrote about the mountain witch so long ago. Y'all sort of burned me for dating a person that would leave me alone in a tent on a mountain while they believed something was coming to kill us. You were right. I stayed with that person far too long, but eventually made the right decision. That person also turned into a monster. Maybe I'll tell you that tale next. Oh, Gabriel. Well, first of all, good for you for ditching the mountain witch. <laughs> yes. Uh, I remember the person that, that and you, you made the right call. I think right? that, that spoke to that person's character quite a bit. For sure. Yeah. The mountain witch abandoner. Not cool. Not Mm-mm. cool. But I hear you that no one was physically hurt. But this is such a burden to bear for anybody at any age. But to be just 15... And you have now had to alter your daily life Mm -hmm. that it's hard to sleep. You can't stay up as late as you want because you think, well, shit, if I leave the light on, they're going to look at me. You can't even walk from your your car to your house. And the dreams you had is concerning that did something catch out of the corner of your eye and you did see something. Mm. I hadn't even thought about that. You had a premonition. I don't know. But yeah, that's horrible. Yeah. You don't have to be physically hurt to be abused and traumatized and if your entire day in life is having to be altered because of fear that's absolutely abuse and trauma to know that someone is seemingly watching you at all times at least when you're home you get home you get inside immediately the phone rings so what are they just sitting there constantly by their window looking out to to see you where do they live? I mean, obviously they live kind of close in the vicinity. So then I would be out thinking, is it that person? Could it be that person? Like who who could this be? Maybe they had a, a thing for redheads. Yeah, I'm trying to think if I was, you know, my initial reaction was, oh, they're probably in the woods with binoculars. But if it's the late 90s and you're getting calls on landlines, Either they have, you know, a giant Zach Morris phone that they're using from the the wooded area, or you're right, they're somewhere where they, uh, whether high up or a house nearby, that they've got an eye on those windows, mm-hmm. that certain set of windows, and had moved past enough to know who was staying where, and very eerie that the victim who caught him outside their window resembled, you know, had red mm-hmm. hair as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it was clear if the calls stopped that that was the culprit hopefully that stint in jail taught them a lesson and all that perverse bullshit was stopped after that right stay off the phones well you're a very brave gabriel for going through all that that's terrible but thanks for sharing and thanks for the update on ditching the mountain abandoner congrats on ditching the mountain abandoner right congrats on the bigger and better (laughs) sinisterhood will be right back Well, this next one is from Jada, and the subject line is Bagpiping Demons. Hello, my name's Jada, and I'm 22 years old, and I love you both and all you contribute to the true crime community. I'm sending this story to two separate pods, but I love you both equally, lol. I've been listening since my freshman year of college, and I'm about to graduate in December with my bachelor's in social work, so thank you for helping me survive college and all of its bull. I'm from a town in northwest Missouri called St. Joseph. It has a population of around 70K, but still has the small town vibe where everyone knows everyone's business, and if you don't know someone, you probably know their brother, sister, mother, or cousin. Anyway, there are some pretty creepy spots in St. Joe, one being a place called Felix's Grave on the north side of town. 
There are hundreds of stories regarding the gravesite and how it came to be, but most of them are not true. I was always told that Felix killed his whole family, and that's why they're buried up there. But with a little research, I was able to see that that is untrue. What is true about the area is that in the 80s, Satanic Panic Central, there was a devil-worshipping group that would go into the caves around the wooded area and do, I don't know, devil-worshipping shit? Anyway, on to my encounter with the gravesite. My freshman year of high school, some friends and I were hanging out, being driven around by one of our dads. We decided it would be fun to go to the gravesite around 9 p.m. when it was pretty dark out. All six of us began the mile or so walk up to the grave, the sky getting darker and darker as we made our way further into the woods. Most of us had been up there during the day to try and disprove the fact that it was haunted, but for some reason still felt the need to experience it at night. Scary vibes, you know. We passed the actual graves and made our way through the gate where people had seen scary shit, I guess, and would come back with scratches all over their backs. I was recording the whole time, just in case some creepy shit happened, and I'm glad I did. Keep in mind this was the middle of the woods. As we walked in silence, someone said something along the lines of, I'm glad we haven't seen anything, and then immediately stopped. The sound of loud bagpipes blared through the air. Us five girls looked at each other, screamed at the top of our lungs, then immediately started sprinting back towards the truck. My Crocs were in sport mode, and I have never run that fast in my life. The bagpipe sound faded the further we ran. When we got back into the truck, we realized we were all like 15 and couldn't drive away, and that the dad that was with us was nowhere to be found. After a couple of minutes of crying and freaking out, we saw him emerge out of the darkness, taking his sweet-ass time as we were having many heart attacks. I still don't have an explanation for those bagpipes playing in the middle of the woods, but I sure as hell wasn't staying to figure it out. On the way back to the house we were all staying at, one of the girls that was with us asked if we could drive by her aunt's house. As we approached the alley behind the house, she then decided to tell us that it was being robbed. For some reason, the dad stopped the truck behind the house and the girl rolled the window down and began yelling. Not even five seconds later, a man with a literal axe ran out the back door and toward the truck that was finally moving again. When we arrived back at the house, the parents decided it would be funny to play a prank on us where they locked us out of the house and blasted bagpipe music on a speaker. It took us all a while to process this traumatic night. In hindsight, I think the most disturbing part was that we witnessed a burglary and the dude tried to attack a full car of teenage girls and a dad. Anyway, thanks for reading my story. If I can go back in the archives of my iPhone 5C, I will try to find the video from that night so you can hear the bagpipes and our screams. Jada. I, <laughs> I appreciate these children had such a traumatic night. They witnessed a robbery. They had an axe uh, yielded at them. They heard demons and still, when they got back to that sleepover, the parents were like, nah, this ain't Turn enough. Off. Lock that door. Get the get the speakers. <laughs> Cue up the bagpipes. Turn we're on like, the bagpipes. We're going to scare them even more now. <laughs> I love that, man. They just, this is, this gives off Nancy and Phil McKinney vibes of like, get, get, goose them again. Goose them one more time. I wonder if all of this was the parents. I wondered if the dad was the bagpipes, but the my question would be the blaring. It'd be one thing if you heard it faintly and maybe he's playing it on his cell phone. You know, he if this is the age of iPhone when this occurred, that he could have been playing it. But if it was that loud, it could have just been somebody else in the woods, I guess, too. Late or, night funeral, having a so, bagpipe graveside <laughs> funeral. That's how we partied the Scottish party. <laughs> we get in the bagpipes. But I'm wondering about the robbery, too. Because how bizarre for the girl to be like, can we just go by my aunt's and then you just happen to witness a robbery and a guy comes out with an axe and the dad stops? I'm like, maybe not, but I don't know. I had a friend in, uh, I guess, elementary and middle school, and her dad was like the fun, the funnest dad. And so anytime there were sleepovers, he would take all of us rapping, if you 
don't know what okay. that is, or maybe you call it something else. Some people just call it like toilet papering. It's literally where you take rolls of toilet paper and you go to someone's house. It was usually a cute boy that we all liked. And you throw these toilet paper rolls all over the yard so it gets caught up all in the trees and the bushes and shit. Yes, we did that. We called it rolling or rolling. TP. Interesting. When you said we, he would take us rapping, I thought of Christmas caroling, but it would ring the doorbell and it's you and your friends <laughs> that are like, yo, what's up? We're five girls from Fort Worth here to tell you what it's like. And then you're like, no, thank you. And you close the door. <laughs> Honestly, I could see him doing that too. But no, it was um, it was the other type of rapping. TPing. Oh, rolling. yes. Yeah. yeah. And he like... There was one night in particular where she had this big birthday party and there were so many girls and they had bought, I mean, Costco amounts of toilet paper for us to just take around the place and do it. Looking back now, I'm like, what a weird thing to do. Do kids still do that? Sometimes occasionally I'll see a house in the neighborhood that has toilet paper. I'm like, oh, that's fun. Yeah, it wrecks your shit, though. I mean, if it rains. If yeah. it's dry, it's no big deal. But if it rains, oh, God. It's done. You're done, Zoe. But Oy. I'm wondering, could this ant thing have also been part of it? Where they're like, we're going to roll up. Hey, Gary, you're going to pretend like you're robbing the place. You come at the car with an axe. Obviously, you're not going to hurt anyone. And then Dale will drive off real fast. And then we're going to get back. And Cheryl's going to be in charge of the bagpipe speakers. So we're going to give these girls a night they'll never forget. That is an elaborate scheme. <laughs> and if that if they put that much time and effort into it, kudos for being parents of the year, for giving <laughs> right? them such a wild ride. I would be more inclined to think... Something was going on in the woods as far as somebody was playing music or it was something you heard from somebody's house or a funeral or a memorial. And then separately, the friend said she it says the friend then decided to tell us that the house was being robbed. So I didn't I figured the friend was just a hero. And that was like me and my friends are going to roll in and help. You're being robbed right now. We've got Dale with us. He's driving the truck. (laughs) There's five girls. We could take some guy. And then he has an axe. And you're like, oh, shit, we didn't hear about the axe. Roll, 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 roll. And so not maybe she got wind that her aunt's house was being robbed. She was trying to go by and and see what they could do. Perhaps her aunt <laughs> texts yeah. her teenage niece and is like, "The shit is going down. I need you and the other rappers to come and get this guy." She's like, "We're at Felix's grave. We'll be there asap." Chaos, Damn. and I love it. I well, love it, Jada. If, yeah, uh, Jada. If there's a follow up that confirms or denies any of our theories, please let us know. <laughs> please follow up via email. Thank mm-hmm. you. <laughs> Sinisterhood will be right back. Well, this next one is from Courtney, and the subject line is, True love never dies. Hey, cryptid cuties. I've been meaning to write in my story for the longest time and finally put the pod on pause, and I'm writing to you now. Freaky Friday is my absolute favorite. I even sing a little song for Freaky Friday when I wake up. Haha. <laughs> so, my story is from a few years ago. I was teaching elementary school in my hometown. I have left that education world since then and now do professional development on educational technology. My work-life balance and pay is 1,000 times better. So if there are any teachers looking to leave, just know you can find another job in the education world you love. Anyway, I was teaching fourth grade at the time, and part of being a teacher is running into students, parents, grandparents, and siblings of the kids you teach and not always remembering everyone's name. This particular Sunday, I was going with my mom to a Thai restaurant in my hometown for lunch. The restaurant has large glass windows, so as you walk up to the entrance, you can see everyone inside dining. As we walked in, I noticed an older couple eating and that the older woman was staring at me as I walked up to the doors. I thought it was strange, but maybe she was just people watching. As we entered the restaurant and were waiting to be seated, I noticed the same older woman was staring me down hard. My first thought was that maybe she's a grandparent of one of my students and she recognized me, although I didn't recognize her. I contemplated walking up to say hello. Before I could make my decision, our waitress sat us at our table. The layout of where we sat is important. My mom and I sat against the window, so essentially our shoulders were parallel with the window. The older couple sat perpendicular to me, so the man's back was to me and the woman was facing me. I didn't think anything about her staring because I was hungry by the time we were seated and was looking for the pineapple curry on the menu. Once we ordered, 
I noticed some movement out of the corner of my eye. I turned to look, and the man was bagging his food to go and paid his bill. But there was no woman in sight. No plate on her side of the table. Nothing. My stomach dropped to my feet. The man got up to leave, and I whispered to my mom, Was that older man sitting with an older woman when we came in? She told me, No, he was alone. Why? At this point, I thought I was truly going insane. I told her, Are you sure? Maybe she just left early. My mom was positive nobody was with him. I told her I saw an older woman with him, and we were both confused. I called the waitress over and asked, I'm sorry, this is probably such an odd question, but was there an older woman eating with that older man that just left? She said, no, why? Again, my stomach dropped because I was truly feeling insane at this point. I've lost my mind and I'm hallucinating. Great. I told her that I swear I saw a woman eating with him, and she rather loudly said, Oh my God, really? I felt like the whole restaurant turned to look at me. I wish I could have vanished on the spot. The waitress then told me that the man's wife had recently passed away, and before she did, they would come to this restaurant every Sunday to eat lunch together. I was shocked. The waitress asked me to describe her, but it was so weird I couldn't get specific with it. It was such a quick blip in my mind. I didn't have specifics such as hairstyle or clothing style. But when I saw that woman, she looked as real as you or I. She told me next Sunday she would let him know what I saw and let him know that his wife was still dining with him. I think I was meant to see her. Maybe that's why she stared so hard, because she could tell I saw her and wanted me to remember so I could let her husband know. I had goosebumps the rest of the day, And while I still felt crazy, it made me feel better knowing that the husband would know she was still with him. Some of my friends think she's a residual ghost, lingering on repeat for Sundays. I like to think she comes down from wherever she is in the afterlife to continue their tradition of Sunday Thai food. It's been years since then, and I haven't had an encounter like that since. I'm not sure if it's because it scared me so much that I mentally blocked it from happening, if other ghosts just don't want to be seen, or if I'm just not noticing them because they look just like real people. I still sometimes wonder if it really happened, and all I need to do is call up my mom, and she confirms it wasn't a dream. It happened. She was there. Last year, I joined the Dead Dad Club, and I'm hoping that the part of my mind that opened to see that older woman will someday open to see my dad again. Thank you for all you do, for making this podcast, and for being a light during my week. I like to think that she also just comes down to enjoy Thai food on on Sundays. But that's a really interesting point of maybe she was staring so hard because she knew you could see her. Mm -hmm. I never really thought about that, but that's really interesting. It's also um, quite eerie to think maybe you're seeing ghosts all the time. I see dead people. Yeah, and you just don't know because they look like everybody else. They're everywhere. Well, I agree. I think that she was probably trying to get her attention. A residual ghost is, I'm sorry, Mom. That's the type of ghost that was haunting my parents' house (laughs) for all those years because I told you the guy had passed away in the driveway and so she was running. So I think if it's something that's meaningful to you or was a big, you know, a big moment in your life, that's where your energy will go when you die. Cause I think all of our energy dissipates when we die and goes to different places and where it goes, I think depends on the life you live. And if this was something so important to her, I would say that would make sense that it would be a residual place, but more likely if she's looking at you and is cognizant and making contact, then yeah, it was more of a, Hey, you can see me. Come on now, pass the message on, uh, (laughs) let them know. I really don't think that a Yelp review or a Google review or anything, if five stars is nothing better than saying, I travel down once a week from the afterlife to get this pineapple curry. Do you know how good this pineapple curry in life and death? There's no better pineapple curry I found. Don't think that it's all better over here on this Mm -hmm. side because the pineapple curry is shit. (laughs) You're like, That's I've me. Been I would heaven. haunt a Thai. Actually, I would um, haunt a Tex-Mex restaurant. I can be found at oh, El yeah. Phoenix in the afterlife yeah. if anyone's looking for me. Oh, definitely. Ooh. Oh, now I'm trying to think of where I'd be. El Phoenix, maybe me casina because I love a mambo taxi. I just had me casina the other day. Oh, I'm jealous. Now I want I a mambo. I thought of you too. Oh, look at that. Because I know yeah. you love the mambo taxi. 
I like El Phoenix as well. But yeah, I think, yeah, if you can say I've been to heaven and they don't have food this good, that's <laughs> that's the ultimate. You don't need even like people love us on Yelp sticker. No, ghosts travel through time and space to come and eat yeah. this. People jump universes, timelines <laughs> to come get this curry. We're leaving out the fact that her husband was also there. But any of us who've had really good, a really good meal, it's like, yeah, yeah, you're here too. But. <laughs> I'm glad you're here. But and that's just, very uh, sweet. Completely, well, not completely unrelated, but pivoting. If you live in the DFW area and you want some really good curry, may I suggest Zap? Oh, Zap is good. Oh my I've gosh. Gotten... And their pineapple fried rice. Maybe the best fried rice I've ever had. It's so good. Z-A-A-P. Zap. It, it's up at uh, Garland and uh, Buckner, yeah, right? Yeah, there's Buckner a couple, Garland. I think. There's a couple. And they have those big ass macaron ice cream sandwiches that you can buy inside mm. oh you haven't had one of those i'm gonna have to get one now oh they're like I've the only... size of a big ice cream sandwich but the cookie part is different flavored macarons and then the ice cream inside is also flavored the lavender one get out of town with that i love lavender so good. flavors well now i'm getting off the mic i know where i'm going i after mean this. they're really good they're very good. Well, thank you, Courtney, for sending that in. And I also hope for you that you that part of your mind will open and you'll get a visitation yes. from your dad in, uh, in a dream or in otherwise uh, real life, wherever. Uh, Me he's, too. That energy is still with you. Sinisterhood will be right back. Well, this final one is from Kay. And the subject line is unexpected angels after last orders. Hello. In classic British understated fashion, I'm going to keep the gushing brief. Love listening to you guys and super gutted you haven't come to the UK yet. Last week's episode with the woman who got her drink spiked with her friend, so glad they were safe, reminded me of when it happened to me. But my story was a little different and has a bit of a heartwarming end. About 10 years ago, I went out to a lesbian bar with a gay couple I was friends with. As we were sitting down chatting, drinking, and just generally having a laugh, a really weird woman kept coming on to me. I decided to take it as a compliment and politely explained, I'm not gay. I didn't feel particularly threatened because I'm 5'10 and northern. We don't take shit up north. This weird woman kept sexy dancing around the table and trying to talk to me and asked if I wanted to do some pills. I declined, and with my persistence, she eventually skulked off into the shadows of the club, I assumed to try her luck elsewhere. I'd had about three beers, bottles, not pints, which for me is enough for me to start to feel it, but not be drunk. We decided to pop out for a cigarette and left our drinks on the table. This was a women's only bar, and we felt safe knowing no creepy dudes were going to spike our drinks. The last thing I just about remember is having a cigarette and having a laugh with the bouncers. The next thing I remember is being face down on wet concrete and an older couple helping me up. What the fuck? The couple told me they had just left the pub after last orders and saw me on the floor outside the metro station. I was near my parents' house, which was my childhood home and on the other side of the city to where I lived. They walked me to my parents' house. I don't remember how they knew the address. I'm assuming I told them. My parents told me they thanked the couple and put me in the bed in the spare room. I woke up the next day feeling sick as hell. Although I don't remember what happened, I've pieced some together from the people that found me and from the girls I was out with. Shortly after we came back from the cigarette, I started acting really drunk. Stupid drunk. But also really fucking angry. Like, whatever some bitch gave me, it did not have the intended effect. I was not going to be easy to control in this state. I had a huge argument with the girls, stumbled out of the club, picked a few arguments as I stumbled down the road, and made my way to a metro stop. They followed me, asking to get me a cab and explaining the metro doesn't go where I live. I was having none of it. I became aggressive, and they had to back off and let me get onto the tram. I think that in my confused state, some unconscious part of my brain made me go back to where I knew I would be safe, my childhood home. I have no idea to this day what happened on the tram or how I fell down. I don't know if I'd been there a while or just stumbled and fell before they got there. Last orders is usually midnight at the latest, so I don't imagine I was there for a long time. 
and there are no feelings coming up that make me feel like something bad happened. I think I just got incredibly lucky. I wanted to share my story for two reasons. Firstly, to remind us that this shit can happen anywhere. While it's usually some creepo guy looking to spike your drink, we all need to be vigilant at all times. And secondly, a reminder that despite all the stories we see about predatory men out there, there's also wonderful human beings who see a woman in her early 20s face down on pavement and take her home safely. The world is full of good and bad, and things don't always go the way you expect. I'd have expected to be safe in a lesbian bar and be most at risk when alone on the street. But for me, that specific bar was not safe that night, and a pair of angels were waiting for me when I needed them on the street. Thanks for reading. Stay safe. Well, I'm glad that did have a very, very good ending. It's terrifying to not know what happened from the time you got on that tram and your friends couldn't see you anymore until you were found to just like we talked about last time, having that blackout where you're the lights are on and nobody's home is so scary. Right. The last thing you remember is laughing with your friends and the bouncer. And the next thing you remember is ground on your face Mm -hmm. in a completely different place, completely different area. Your friends are gone, not because they ditched you, but because you yelled at them and told them to get away from you that you have no recollection of. And I would agree if you, it sounds, uh, I don't know what, if it's cliche, but I'm like, if it's an all women's bar, regardless of the clientele, you just kind of think, oh, it's kind of safe. Mm -hmm. And, And who, if it was the initial woman that was dancing next to you, if she said, hey, let's go have some pills and you said no, did she say, oh, well, let me just put some in your drink and then you'll want a party. And it wasn't for nefarious purposes or somebody else was there that had nothing to do with the dancing lady. Just another random patron of somebody that worked there, you know, something like that where you there's no way to trace it, no way to know what happened. And you think, oh, I'm out with my two best friends having a having a laugh, having a beer. It's not a big deal. And then the next thing you know, you're in your childhood home going, I don't know why I'm on the other side of the city. Yeah, I think you're right that subconsciously you went to like muscle memory where you feel safe or, or where, you know, thankfully your parents were home and a huge shout out to these people that There are many good people in the world and they see someone struggling like that. We're two of them. If we saw anybody face down on the street, we would stop to make sure they were okay and see if we could help them or call help. So I'm very glad that somebody was looking out for you that night and they showed up. Oh, yeah. And that's what I think about the the gal that got robbed in Chicago. And I came upon her right after she got robbed and was just hysterical, crying, breathing heavy. And all you think is... I know I'm a nice person. And if that were me, I would want a nice person to stop. So I'm mm-hmm. going to stop and say, even though it was late, I had worked a double shift at the boat. I didn't want to stop. Like I was tired. I want to go home. I ended up in the back of a gang squad, detective squad car speeding around Wrigleyville. And you just go, I don't really know how I got here. But like the those folks were like, we didn't know we were going to usher a half conscious woman to her childhood home. But here we are. That's the path we've been set upon tonight. And just... Letting yourself uh, be that hand that you wish if you were in that position Mm -hmm. that somebody would lend to you. So you're right. That's great that those folks were your angels waiting for you at the metro station. You're right, though. We have to be vigilant at all times. I can't tell you the amount of times I've left a drink on a table, especially like in college and stuff, to go outside and smoke. And then you just come back and you think, oh, well, I'm just going to keep. Luckily, nothing ever happened. But. Um, in hindsight was not smart and now I would never do something like that right I do think about the times where I would literally put a cocktail napkin over my drink and be like that'll stop them yeah or mine wasn't even that'll stop them I didn't even really think about that it was yeah don't take my drink yeah don't throw it out I'm not done with it but you know I mean I was in college in late 90s early aughts and while this stuff absolutely did go on it wasn't as at least spoken about as much. It may have still been as common as it is now, but you just didn't hear about it that much. So it didn't even occur to me. 
Right. Yeah, it did. There was a push more towards like a public information campaign, probably like the mid 2000s. I Mm -hmm. feel like it really became more prevalent to talk about it. You know, it's on Dateline 2020 and all that. But I am glad that there are people like those folks that helped you and also service industry workers that keep an eye out for folks. And, you know, when you go to a bar and says, oh, if you want to order an angel shot Mm because you feel unsafe or we'll walk you to your car, we'll make sure you get an Uber, all that kind of stuff. I like that that has become a push of. Our bar is a bar for everybody, but not assholes, not predators. And we're here to keep you safe and make you safe. So mm-hmm. uh, that's good that we've hopefully shifted. Not only that we watch out, but we all watch out for each other. Yes. And if you were ever in a bar as a either an employee or a patron and saw somebody sprinkling something in somebody's drink, I think now every single one of us would be like, hey, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm watching like, you. Nah, that ain't going to fly. Yes. No, throw that shit in the trash. Well, we're glad you're safe. And thank you for sharing that story with us, Kay. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you to everybody that sent in your Freaky Friday stories. If you have an odd but true story, maybe you've encountered Bigfoot, you've seen a UFO, you had a brush with true crime, or you felt the presence of an otherworldly being. Send them in at SinisterHood.com slash Freaky Friday. We love providing Sinisterhood to you at no cost. So if you like what you hear, consider supporting this show by donating to our Patreon. We're a small operation, creating the show for you by researching, writing, recording, and producing it ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the cost of making and hosting the show. As a thank you, you'll also get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those in the Rolling the Airwaves and Getting Into It tier, a special shout-out on the show, a monthly bonus mini-sode, and patron-exclusive video and audio content, including Am I the Asshole, Relationship Advice, Judge Christie, Dear Sinister, True Crime Headlines, and more. Plus, patrons in the Getting Into It tier are also able to vote on a bonus content segment each month they would like to see us live stream. May I just briefly say one of the greatest benefits of Patreon is the community that comes with it. We have the most wonderful, supportive, kindest, funniest, just kick-ass listeners and the Patreon Facebook group and the Patreon page itself with the comments and the interactions and our Q&As. Just it goes to prove it. And we love you all. Yes, everyone is, like you said, just so supportive and kind. I mean, people will post... Hey, I got that promotion that I was up for at work. And everyone's like, oh, my gosh, yes. I know you've been so excited. Like, everybody knows each other's lives. Mm -hmm. People have created these really deep friendships where they're traveling to other states to go to baby showers and just visit. People will come in town for live shows and stay with people they've met through the community. So it's probably the thing that we are most proud of with this show is something that we didn't even really have a huge hand in it's just the community that's formed around it and how nice and supportive everyone is to each other so thank yeah, you we love you yeah thank you well you also have the fun perk of access to our discord server where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime share personal ghost stories or just post adorable pictures of your pets we hop on occasionally, and we host monthly Q&As on Crowdcast, where you can ask us all your burning questions. For patrons not in the U.S., you have the option to pay in pounds or euros, saving you the cost of conversion fee. Annual memberships are also available for all tiers, and when you select this option, we'll be rewarded with a free month of membership. It's also February, which means the last two Fridays in February would be today. If you're listening to this before 2 p.m. Central, you still have time <laughs> to jump on our documentary stream. We're discussing the movie Descendant. But if it's past Friday the 17th at 2 p.m. Central, then you can catch us on our next documentary stream. where We're going to be discussing Fire of Love on the very last Friday in February at 2 p.m. Central. And if you're listening to this in 2025... Hello, future uh, friend. We're so glad you found us. You can go back and listen to all the replays of Docuary where we discuss the Pez Outlaw and Senior, all available on our Patreon. Yes, they're so much fun. We cried a lot on the last one, but um, it was still a great time. <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> well, for more details on all of this and specific member tiers, visit SinisterHood.com and click Patreon on the top banner. So many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming. You want to get some cool Sinisterhood swag like mugs, totes, clothes for your kiddos, or our brand new badass logo tee, or coming up, our tour shirt. Visit Sinisterhood.com and click on shop on the top banner. 
The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. You can also share any episode by clicking the three dots in the top right corner and share a topic-based playlist from Spotify by visiting sinisterhood.com slash playlists. All of this means so much to us and really helps podcasts like us get more exposure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SinisterhoodPod, like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood, or follow us on YouTube and TikTok at Sinisterhood Podcast. Christy, where are you at on that World Wide Web? I am on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace and Twitter and TikTok at Christy or GTFO. Heather, what about you? Oh, man, I'm on Twitter at MCK versus the world, and I am on TikTok and Instagram at Heather versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Sin